Hi, I'm Eddie. I run a comic shop and publish my own comic strip. And I'm Roger, and I run a comic shop and my very own Comic-Con. And I'm Joe, a lifelong fan who does all the real work to make our show go. Every week, we'll discuss the newest insider info that you won't get from your favorite comics and talk to some of our favorite creators and publishers. So come take a peek behind the counter with Tales from the Comic Shop, part of the Geek Nerd Network. Weekly on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. children you must walk feminine talk feminine smile and beguile feminine utilize your femininity that's what every girl should know if she wants to catch a bow oh won't somebody please think of the children okay first i'm not a princess I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Welcome to a very special episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye. We're still talking Disney princesses, but not technically a princess movie this week. We're talking Alice in Wonderland, who is hashtag not a princess. Uh, but we have assembled our own Wonderland gang uh, full of misfits to discuss this. Chief among them, our most specialist of guests, Kelly. Introduce Ooh. yourself to the podcast, Kelly. Hey. Hi, I'm, I'm Kelly, and this is my first time on the podcast, so thank you for having me, Andy. And I uh, am a writer for Big Spiny Robot and also one of three hosts of the Animaniacast and Animaniacs podcast. And um, I love Disney. So, and uh, I was asked to be on this or volunteered actually to because I, uh, I love the Mad Tea Party ride at Disney World and Land. <laughs> yeah, you, you more than anyone that I know <laughs> love that ride. I take it to extremes. It's... And- but it's so good, though. It so is. It's fun. Like, totally. And just like Beauty and the Beast, none of us volunteer to be here. We're all just <laughs> locked away. You're all, well, you're I mean, all if, my if captive. If there's a library. <laughs> well done. If there's a library involved, I don't care. I'm, I'm I mean, if Angela Lansbury reads me stories, I'm in. Let's yeah. There's far worse places to be. JB, who is here ready for Angela Lansbury to... Oh, Read him uh, stories. The, the the most successful murderer in the history of television, currently at 130 bodies and never catching anyone. So, anyway, no, I'm excited to talk about this. I think this is this is one of the most underrated books ever. Um, I love this book. I think this book is hilarious to read, especially when you're an adult. And it's fun to read to children and watch them look at you with a quizzical look on their face, like, "What in the hell is going on?" in this book so Indeed. Um, it's fun to talk about how it transitions to the movie and our returning champion melissa martinez i i really uh melissa i thought we were doing sleeping beauty this week and when you changed it and told me alice in wonderland i wanted to cry because that meant i had to watch this movie again and i did not want to watch it 
Oh no! <laughs> Spoiler alert of how Melissa <laughs> feels on this movie. I mean, it's not as bad as the power of one. I still haven't forgiven you fully for that, Andy. But, uh, wow! But, wow! I'll be apologizing for that for a while. Yeah, maybe there is Stockholm syndrome in this podcast, and we have to watch this stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back and not distracted this week like I was last week. So. Yeah, did everything go okay? No, it's still um, not fixed. We gotta wait for it to stop raining now. So because the stuff he got he has to use is oil based and oil and wet wood don't oh mix. Gosh. So yeah. So it's still it's still yes. not fixed. I'm so mad. But nobody's here to distract me this time. So yeah. All right. Except uh, Mark. Oh. <laughs> uh speaking of distractions and people who know a lot about books, Mark. How Yay. you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm doing good. I'm here, uh, ready to talk about uh, LSD trips. <laughs> Things Wonderful. And, and last, <laughs> last but certainly not least, Brooke, how you doing? Brooke, I'm, I'm fine. Oh no, did we lose Brooke? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yay! Okay. Now I we can hear. I was talking. You. I was eloquent. I was beautiful. But hey, nice to see you. I was also on mute. So. Uh, okay. There we go. Alice is, Alice is my favorite of all the Disney movies. Wow. Oh, wow. Even over. All right. What do you like all the movies where it's the seven year old main character? Is that the is that the trend we're seeing here? I mean, I think I'm perpetually always going to be that age. About the seven. And my happiness. Yeah. There you go. So Okay. Like I mean that that brings us to an interesting inflection point then. Who likes this movie and who doesn't like this movie? I'm I'm on team like. Brooke is on team like. I'm on team like. Okay. I and like team... aspects of it. Agree. Okay. I'm with Kelly on that. So yep. middle ground. Yep. And then I, Melissa it, it hard pretty. no. It's so interesting to me. I love it because I've never been like I love it so much. I have no objectivity about it. Like I just I I'm sure that I'm going to learn a lot from all of you when we talk about it this time because I just accept it. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah. So let me start from why I wanted to talk about this, even though Alice is not a princess. Um, she's not a princess, but. She is a female protagonist, and unlike most of the princesses, I feel... I mean, she is 100% an agent in this movie. Good point. This is her, sto her story. Um, she makes choices. Um, everything is centered around her. She is in literally every scene of this movie, she is the center of everything. She is our point of view character. And I think she is sort of a better example of like, of, of the early Disney princesses. I would like tell my daughter, like be more like Alice than be like Cinderella, Snow White, Heck Aurora. Yeah. Yell at the but. queen for sure. <laughs> I mean, she yells at the queen. That's how cool is that? Like, that's that's such a great part. I love that the agency of just like no get get out of my way. So yeah, I I was really interested in why you th you wanted to throw this in the quote unquote princess 
arena and that's a really interesting part there andy so i'm i'm really glad we got to watch it again so and it, or it comes... this is a movie that shows exactly what gaslighting is because everybody's <laughs> gaslighting her from the very first second. <laughs> also true also true, also, yeah. also true yeah and and it's what what i find most interesting is yeah. this came out a year after cinderella and completely bombed everybody I... hated this movie no way. yeah yeah oh, wow. yeah Huge bomb. See that it happened to Sleeping Beauty too, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm. I believe so. <laughs> I can look at it. Um, I believe everybody hated it at first. Do you um, think it may have done so badly? I mean, like when Tangled came out, they didn't name it Rapunzel because they didn't want to make a girls' movie because girls' movies don't sell to boys. So right. do you think it was because it had a female protagonist and and didn't, you know, appeal to to anything but little girls? I don't think so, because, I mean, that didn't keep Cinderella and Snow White from being hugely popular. And it didn't make Pinocchio, the opposite didn't, in reverse, make those others successful. Right. I I think it was the subject material. It's it's a fact that it makes no damn sense. Yeah, see, that's what I think (laughs) is difficult subject material, especially, I mean, now I don't think you bat an eye at it, right? as evidence from how many Tim Burton films we have, which are all very Alice in Wonderland-ish, no matter what he makes, right? But I, I think the difficulty was the time period um, that, that this was made in. Um, so I, I think that's the struggle people have with it. I'd be interested. I didn't get to talk to any of my family members who were around when the movie came out because I was thinking of going, you know, here are these Disney princess movies. Which ones do you remember? Right, like I remember my grandparents talking about the Cinderellas and the Sleeping Beauties, but they never mentioned Alice in Wonderland or Pinocchio. Brooke, to your point, so I don't know if any of you remember family members or friends or watching it as a child or any of that. No, I didn't. I didn't even watch it as a child. I mean, I, I like I mentioned before we started recording, I watched the CBS miniseries and I read the book, but I don't think I saw Alice in Wonderland until after college uh partially because the movies were hard to get a hold of um may i ask how old you are uh is it gonna be on the recording (laughs) (laughs) okay No, I'm what was the I'm number pretty... one album when you were 12? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Promo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that old. No, I'm 43. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Get off our podcast, you boomer. <laughs> Mark. How old are y'all? I'm older. I just older turned 42. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're all. We yeah, I'm 43. Yeah, you're all right there. I'm the resident old person. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the only reason I asked Kelly is because this was the main movie I watched growing up until uh, The Little Mermaid came out, and then I watched that. Oh, but okay. This, you know, I, I, I didn't watch this and Cinderella. I, I actually didn't watch many of the Disney movies until Little Mermaid came out. We didn't have the Disney Channel. Um, what If it didn't come on Sunday night... Uh, uh, what is it? The Wonderful World of Disney. Um, oh yeah. I, I didn't. I, ca- I, knew, I had the storybooks and I knew the stories, but I we, we didn't watch the movies. But I also had a we, little brother, so um, uh, we. Yeah. I grew up on um, 
Spielberg movies, uh, which is fine. That's my thing anyway, all besides Disney. But, you know, I grew up on Indiana Jones and Gremlins and Goonies, and, and we didn't watch many princess movies, which is funny. because Starlight now Express. I have a beating the first Star Voyager. Yeah, Last <laughs> Starfighter. And yeah. Amazing Stories. The Black Hole. Oh, the black hole. Yeah. No, I mean, similarly, like we didn't have the Disney Channel, but like what we would do is every year when the Disney Channel came on free preview, my dad would go out and buy like a box of blank tapes and we would just <laughs> tape everything. Nice. And and so we would we would have just tons of random stuff. Um, we did that with Little Mermaid. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get um but then I have a a much younger half brother and half sister uh, who were born when I was like eight and ten, and when they were little, my my dad and stepmom bought all of the like Disney clamshell package VHS as they came out, and so like I got more into Disney as an adolescent which is ironic than than as like a little little kid. No, little little kid. Yeah. Little Mermaid yeah. was the beginning and then so right. from then on we got the clamshell packaging and then we went to Disney World a couple years later and that was right after Beauty and the Beast came out and and right. I became a I'm an acolyte. I guess. And that's why <laughs> that's why we love Beauty and the Beast and we're a stock, right. a stock, a stock homolite, you might Stop say. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's so it. funny though that you because uh, I'm just trying to think. I grew up. I never. I didn't watch Little Mermaid like you said until I had half sisters. I grew up on Robin Hood, and oh, Oliver and Company, and Rescuers. So mm -hmm. that's really interesting that the the differences in which movies we were drawn to. It's Robin Hood. I watched three times a week. Well, we we watched that a lot in school, so I didn't watch it at home. But they, oh. they would wheel oh, in the TV and yeah, we would watch how Robin we get Hood. Into that <laughs> I don't know how many times we watched Robin Hood in class. Wow, that's oh. great. Good, it's good entertainment for kids. So, Andy, what do you remember watching? I mean, you watched. I mean, I right? uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, I was. It was really funny. I watched way more of like the Disney live action stuff. Like mm -hmm. I was way more into the black hole and um, like we had Swiss family Robinson oh and God, all the love nice. bug movies and nice. all the Fred McMurray movies and parent trap, parent trap and all, all the, really all the Dexter Riley movies. And yeah. And those came on oh. the wonderful world of Disney too, a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah. But Melissa, you said last week your your family collected all the Disney movies yeah. too. But you hated <laughs> this as a child. Yeah. Like, like I said before, it, visually it was very stunning. Like it t by today's standards, I guess it's nothing all that special, but you know, when I first saw it like 35 years ago or something, I mean, it was it was really beautiful to look at and it, you know you can get entranced by all the colors and and everything and and that way i think it was probably a little ahead of its time because soon there were a lot of other movies that sort of mimicked that a little bit but other than that i mean because i didn't understand what was going on uh, you know i didn't understand that it was basically like mushrooms or drugs i just thought mushrooms were mushrooms like stuff you put on your pizza you know what i mean i was young <laughs> And innocent right. in the little parental bubble, you know? Um, 
And so I, I didn't understand what was going on. But, it, you know, so it just didn't make sense. Like, she's here, she's there, there's this, she's tall, she's this, she's small. It just, I don't know. And then, like I, I had said before we started the podcast, that none of the music was very memorable. You know, like Disney, you expect songs like, like just last week, you know, we were talking about the songs like Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. You know, that's catchy. You know what I mean? You remember that. Uh, and there was nothing here that was very memorable in that way. Um, but as an adult, I liked it even less, which is surprising to me because a lot of times, you know, I, I see things differently and, and I might like something more. I like this one less because they're just constantly interrupting her. That she's just she's practically getting gaslit. She's they, like they interrupt her. They talk over her. It, it's like you know, like a typical female experience. You know what I mean? And I, I don't want to watch that shit. You know, I deal with that every day. And and so it's just frustrating to watch it. I'm like, God damn it, let her talk. You know what I mean? And let her say something. And then in the end, it's all a dream, which is just a bullshit. You know. It's just, you know, it's just a bullshit ending. Like they, they, they were on drugs the yeah. whole time they wrote the screenplay, and then they wore off just as they were had to write the ending. You know what I mean? And yeah, then, there you go. I just, I, I might be able to forgive such things if the movie was better, but it's just kind of boring. Honestly, I, I didn't like it at all. So Andy, let me, and and Melissa, I, I think your points are excellent. I'm wondering. To me, this is the first time Disney had to deal with a complicated subject matter that they're writing a script from, right? Because if you think about it, Snow White's pretty straightforward, right? These fairy tales are pretty straightforward. And, you know, if you go into the subject material in the book, the book is dense, right? There's a ton of weird stuff going on. I mean, there's chapters that they I don't think they cover in the movie. Oh, there's um, so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if that's the struggle is that they just couldn't figure out how to take complicated source material and turn it into, um, you know, something that was. I don't know. I think it was that. The book is surrealist. <laughs> no, the, 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 the book is surrealist. So I think they read the book and they figured, oh, this is going to be easy to translate to screen because there's so much sur uh, surrealism in this that it lends itself to an animated feature. And it very much does. I, th I think they nail a lot of. I mean, the, the true heart of the book is really presented well in the movie. Right. And, and I mean, and Walt Disney had been trying to adapt this from like very, very early on. One of his first shorts, even before uh, Steamboat Willie, was a live action animated hybrid uh, that was trying to do Alice in Wonderland. That was a silent uh, cartoon. Um so he had always wanted to do this. That's and, what I was going to say, Andy, is this was one of his longest dreams. Yeah. Right. And it went through a bunch of weird takes, like to the to the point of people being on drugs, working on this screenplay. Uh, there was an entire screenplay pass done by Mr. Aldous Huxley. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. In, in the 1940s, post-war. Yeah. And uh, I, I assume some of it survived, but uh, most of it didn't. But yeah, but there's a lot. I mean, between the two Carol books, um, this has a couple of little vignettes in there, but 90% of those books are not in here. And it, yep. I don't know, it, it's, 
it's weird what they chose to do and what they chose not to. Well, yeah. and, um, and right there, Andy, that, that's what I wanted to talk about is I love, love early Disney, pretty much everything. Even though I, a lot of Snow White annoys me, I still really like it. And the reason I like early Disney is that they weren't afraid to bring in the dark material. Right. Uh, in a children's movie. I mean, right now, Disney is so averse to doing anything like that that it makes them boring. But back in the day, they weren't afraid to bring in some dark material. So in this movie, you have that story about the walrus and the carpenter. And they pretty much eat baby oysters who are it's dressed so as sad. babies. It's sad. But they it's presented like really in a real happy way. And it's so confusing. <laughs> yeah, <the oysters>. <laughs> as, a, as a kid, it terrified me, but I loved watching it for some reason. I think that's like the birth of my love for horror movies and for dark science fiction. Like Andy, I'm a big fan of the black hole, and a lot of the, that movie is just oh, yeah. fucking scary. Oh yeah, it's, just, it's fucking freaky, and that's what I miss about Disney. I, I kind of wish Disney would go back into that, embrace the dark, and I think uh, once the they they uh, came out with a black cauldron and they had that vicious backlash, they kind of stepped away from all that, and uh, I guess Beauty and the Beast has a little bit of that, which may be one of the reasons why I really love that movie. But the embracing of the dark aspect of storytelling is what makes this movie and everything around this era so great. And we're, we're just missing that so much right now. I agree. As much as I like Moana <laughs> and stuff like that, it's just way too happy, man. Like, give, give me a little bit of darkness. Give me a little bit of danger to go with the I, I agree stuff. with you, Marco. I think they've gotten more conservative as the years have gone on. But... Yeah. One thing that, that darkness that I did not like in this film, like the flower thing, when they rejected her because they couldn't figure out what kind of flower she was. And then she oh, says, yeah. Yeah, and that then bothers she says me. if she was her normal size, because she was shrunken at the time, that she would have picked them. And basically she's homicidal. Like she's, she's that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like these flowers have human traits, like, you know, and, and yeah, it's shitty that they reject her because she's not a flower. Uh, which I don't know. I would normally say, hey, there is some kind of like um, societal commentary, but I don't think it was because I think they were just on drugs, you know. Um, but like, I think it was just mean maybe, girls. But, but the fact yeah, that, yeah. Were, but yeah. it's Precursor. one thing for them to reject her. That's shitty. But for her to go back and say she basically killed him if she was her normal size, I'm sorry, that's like too far. That's just that weirded me out because she's seven. She's seven years old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yes, I like when they embrace the darkness, but not when they make a seven-year-old girl homicidal. That's too much. The stuff when she is, like, crying in the Tolji wood, though, like, I don't know. Sometimes I have to skip it because I'm just, it's not that I'm bored. I'm just, like, I don't want to watch Alice cry and be alone and feel, yeah. like, alone and trapped in this world and i don't know it, it's like emotionally hard for me for some weird reason i don't know what it is but yeah brooke what were you gonna say i feel like i should be using my big girl words um and right. that like i totally completely understand the viewpoints that everyone has on it, but all of these moments are what kind of make me love her more. Um, because I understand Good. feeling like I want to 
push back and pick all the flowers. <laughs> like, screw you. But we don't pick them, right? Like, our dreams are a space of... Sorry, one second. We got a kitten. Do you have a little Dinah oh cat? <laughs> it's the Jester cat. <laughs> we, Put the um, cat on camera. Oh, you see it smiles. Oh, my God. Oh, oh look out. Goodness. Oh, my God. That's not on the ride. That's like instant happiness. <laughs> I, I hate cats, and I have to admit that. Um, <laughs> He's a really cute cat. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Melissa's boat. That is a beautiful cat. Came home here yesterday. Um, I am a really, really vivid dreamer, and my dreams are like this of Alice's. Like, there's no sense. There's a lot of expressing. There's a lot of like exploring emotion. A lot of like things that I wouldn't do societally. That I get to question myself on and test myself on through my dreams and what how would I act and what would I end up at at the end and I think exploring those emotions with her while she's crying and the the like how is it to be constantly interrupted by everything even teacups and mad hatters and like to not be able to finish sentences to not have but to continue i guess like you know a lot like snow white like to continue on the journey and to keep moving and to keep going and keep going forward and to finally get to the queen and to yell back at her like i i see her as so multi-dimensional of embracing a lot of the the darker sides of ourselves that we don't want to admit we have and that we aren't willing to openly express and explore with other humans but seeing the process and going on the journey with her i think is really beautiful i like that yeah i i i get where you're coming from and i understand that the problem i have is though is she's seven you know what i'm saying like it's it's she's seven and i think all of those complex feelings and stuff she's just so young you know what i mean for them to put her through that because one of the things that i i felt throughout the entire movie was like does nobody in this place care that there's a poor little lost seven-year-old girl who's crying and upset you know what i mean like nobody seemed to care and i i don't know maybe it's some kind of projection or that you know because when i was seven that was actually one of the roughest parts of my childhood and the thought that yeah. nobody was helping her makes me sad you know what I'm saying? So it's hard to yeah, get past absolutely. that for me personally. Well, we also got to take into context the time where this was made and when Carol's books were written, where children were to be seen but not heard. Uh, and there was this total thing about how, you know, it was okay to ignore your child because they should already know their place. And I think, if anything, this represents that children had a lot more going on than just simple little show toys that you would parade around for people to gawk at um i don't know maybe maybe it was that you know i, I get what you're talking about Melissa, yeah how, then how do you explain the like, queen how can nobody wanting be, to cut be her paying attention because that was not acceptable in 1951 like i can guarantee you no it wasn't and the, the thing is uh D disney's embrace of of those kind of stories like especially when it comes to like the grim stories he was okay scaring the shit out of kids uh to keep them on their toes and that's what those stories were made for to begin with so I think that's what the queen was there for, to provide that element of danger that, you know, you still have to look out for yourself. 
But there is that very much that element about how kids are just constantly ignored, especially around seven years old during that time. You know, what, what you really wanted didn't matter. You're, you were going to do what I told you to do. We're going to send you off to boarding school because that's what we do with kids kind of yeah. deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that. And I, I mean, I think that was something that Disney, Walt Disney specifically, was very good at. Is that saying, you know, kids actually can process very complex things yeah. if you if you give it to them in the right context. And, you know, the the degree to which the films have become uh, a bit more saccharine, uh, I think is real. But I want to point out Raya and the Last Dragon, which I continue to stand and we will get to at the end of all of this because it is just so good. That movie is in many ways hella dark. It is like post-apocalyptic in a lot of ways. And their world is completely broken. And um, and it ends up like falling on the shoulders of literal children in that. I mean, uh, Raya begins the film as a child. You also have um, the the people that she um, sort of collects around her to go on the adventure together. One of them is a baby. Yeah. I mean, a literal baby just toddling around with monkey friends. And, and one, um, the other kid, he's probably not more than 11 or 12. Um, you know, I, so I do think that there, there are, there are some ways that Disney continues to try to challenge things. And, and in that way, I think Raya is like the film of 2020, 2021, because it says to kids like, yeah, hey, guess what? We understand you, the world around you seems broken, but there's hope. And here's how we're going to contextualize it for you. And that's why I think it's a masterpiece. I'm so. really disappointed you didn't go for Spy Kids 3D for your Oh, example. my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You went, I, right for the, you went right for the heart. You didn't go. You didn't waffle around with Spy Kids or Incredibles. You, you went right for the, the good one. So, In, Incredibles you know, is another great example where, you know, they don't sugarcoat it. Yeah. I think that's good. Six. Well, And I was going to say that uh, while, while Disney has become more saccharine and conservative, uh, Pixar has not. Pixar oh, doesn't, yeah. doesn't mind uh, diving into the hard topics, the, the darker side of life and, and related to kids. Doesn't yep. scare the shit out of the, uh, kids the way old school Disney used to, but it presents. What I don't know. Talking. I think when all the toys were going to die in Toy oh, Story. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's still true. my favorite movie moment yeah. ever. A bunch of five-year-olds screaming at the top of their lungs. That was, that was my, great. my daughter still does not want to see that movie again because it bothered her that much. Well, I think, yeah. I think and you raise a good point, Andy, and, and Mark, all of those Pixar films from Up, when you have to explain what happened to her in the first five minutes and right. Nemo and... Wally, you have to have this whole existential conversation with young kids about things. It's, yeah, they don't mess around, do they? Up no. destroyed my daughter. Yeah, destroyed yeah, it's, her. Bambi's mom. That, yeah. that I didn't. I didn't know what it was oh. going into it. Bambi's, Bambi's mom. mom. That's Aww. just fucked up. Isn't that that song? Oh no, that's Stacy. Sorry. Okay. No, <laughs> very different. You know, no, no. I, you know what? I have to say that 
seen, Baby's mom seen a, seen the, seen the no. kitty try to eat Brooke's ear off is just the fucking cutest thing. I've, that makes me so happy. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, that's so fucking cute. Mark, there, there are times when I wish this that. was a video podcast. That is look look at the, the, oh the my God. I don't even kitty. like cats either, but that's so cute. Brooke, make that a gif and send it to me because I need to see that all the time Aww. to keep me happy. Like, that's just so fucking cute. I'm sorry. I, I, I would. I don't know how to make gifs of things, so I apologize. But <laughs> Mark, your screen capture. Uh, sure. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> You're okay. All right, <laughs> so Kelly. What's your, what's your take on this so far, Kelly? What have you got? Where, where are, are we all crazy, or what do you think? No, I, um, I, I love Alice for the aesthetics. I think it is a beautiful um, film. It's lovely to look at. It's very colorful. Um, Agreed. I, but the whole thing, like in the Told G Wood, I. I got kind of bored. I, I, the, overall, I find it to be very slow paced. Um, yeah. And but I feel the same way about like Snow White. I mean, I, I love the story and I appreciate the the music and the artistry, but it it's slow for me. And um, you know, during the Told You Wood moment, I'm like, oh, well, this is where we're supposed to be feeling really sorry for. Her, but I I didn't really feel that. Um, I just don't think it was. Uh, carried out very well um and i i do agree that she's constantly interrupted and and i definitely felt her frustration but i think we're supposed to because you know she's coming from a world where everything's very orderly you know it's sort of like this victorian era and um everyone has their place and and there's manners and and you can see her manners and propriety come through but then you know being that she's young she does have a temper and she hasn't quite learned that that whole victorian you know right kids right. are seen and heard as well as women are, are not right you know, uh, because women you know were supposed to know their place back then too yes. and so she's still discovering all this and and that I think maybe kind of led her to want to live in this world of nonsense and, you know, es escape the, the schooling um, on the riverbank. And, and then she realized, well, you know, there's, there's something to be said for orderliness um, and, you know, not total chaos all over the place. And, uh, you know, and, and also knowing what size she is. Yeah. Not and the an songs, the songs are not good. I mean, I, I love the unbirthday song, <laughs> and um, uh, that's that's probably the one I, I really love. I and I mean, I thought they they did the the walrus and the carpenter pretty well. I mean, the carrying over the the poetry from Lewis Carroll's books, um, but the songs are are ninety percent unmemorable. Yeah, agreed. Brooke, did you have something to say? I just have a question. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this is just from like my own personal space of relating to the whole entire world through autism. Do you think Alice could be autistic? I think if you take the drug part out of it. <laughs> I, I don't see it. Um, I mean, I think that's... Because when I look at the point. world and the way that I relate to it and see things and always feeling on the outside and feeling interrupted and like I'm in the middle of these thoughts and experiences and having to be pulled back being pulled back, being pulled back, being pulled back, and then, like, the questioning of authority when I know that I know something better that isn't an acceptable thing for me to know at my age or status or whatever, but because of the way I'm processing the information, 
like I still have that surety in me like I don't I wonder if we watch it through the the lens of her being autistic if if it changes the experience for any of you I think she's just those things we, are might like be possible or if I did that just naturally because of myself like I don't know I, I mean, I think it's possible, but I think more to Kelly's point that if anything, this is uh, Victorian England and how do we get rid of this nonsense about you wanting to be a free spirit when you have to learn that there's a place for you and you have to learn how to you know embody that uh, as a child and then later on as a woman. Uh, and I, I, Kelly made that point and I completely agree with it. Yeah. Uh, because the whole job of the parent is to kill that spirit of individuality and have the child know their place in this world. That's what Victorian England was all about. And thank God we, we, we don't do that now. Well, I mean, a lot of us don't do that now. And this was something that, and we've already mentioned it, that Walt Disney was very much against. It was like, children are their own individual. You have to let them be children. Uh, and I believe that's what this movie showed and maybe why he was pursuing this story for so long. Also, Melissa. <laughs> Melissa, you were oh, saying? I, I was just saying, I'm, I'm not autistic. I've worked with autistic kids a lot um, in the past. But, um, you know, I, I can kind of see why Brooke questions whether it is. But some of the things you brought up, Brooke, like, you know, like when you know better than somebody or like being pulled back or cut off, or whatever. To me, that just sounds like being treated like a woman, like a female. You know, I, I don't think it's necessarily autism. I think right. it's just the way the world treats right. women. And, and being so young as she is, it's even worse because it's so much easier to dismiss a female child than a female adult. Um, and that's my frustration with this movie is that I just see the misogyny. It's so inherent and uh, it, it yeah. makes all the other parts that aren't that where she's not being cut off or not being interrupted or, or, or kind of gaslit, I think, in some places um, it. it the rest of the movie doesn't make up for that for me. There's still a deficit there. It's so funny. It's so funny that you bring that up. Um, and the misogyny. I, I was a little bit of a precocious child. And um, I had a seventh grade English teacher that mispronounced a word that she was teaching us. And I told her flat out, that's not how you pronounce that. And then I proceeded to get out my pocket dictionary from my purse <laughs> to um, show her that that was not how you pronounce that word. And she was like, no, be quiet, Kelly, be quiet. And I was started to show my classmate like, no, she's wrong. And she, she just like shut me down and like, I know better than you. I'm like, but you're teaching the class the wrong word. Now, my brother had the same teacher two years later. And he corrected her pronunciation on a word too. She let it go. Uh, yeah. Oh wow! And I was gonna like, say oh, I okay. love this. Stuff. You yeah. know, it's that's like a, a that's perfect... like Dan Quayle and the Potato. Do y'all remember that? <laughs> In the I remember that. Oh yeah. my god! Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I yeah. I mean, and I I really do think that a lot of it does come down to that and. I think it's interesting to, you know, because we can come at these through different lenses and like uh, we all carry our own baggage into it. And I I bring sort of the a literal um, take on it. I'm like, Lewis Carroll was a wacko. <laughs> he was yeah. a bad person who 
like to draw pin-up pictures of little girls. Ew. And oh, yeah. I did not have that. I was reading the I was reading the Wikipedia again before very, very, the, very. the podcast, and apparently that was a little bit more acceptable and normal during this time period because they had like nude children on Christmas cards, apparently. And I mean, I'm not saying that he was right to do what he did or anything, but um, it it seems like we're looking at it from a lens from today, and and I don't know what would, all was acceptable and unacceptable back in that time period. There seems to be some disagreement on it. I'm not defending right. him. But, uh, you know, different people and some of his diary entries are missing. And, and I mean, very complex individual for sure. Um, right. Obviously it, it, very complex. Yeah, it is true that some of that was was uh, acceptable in Victorian England. But uh, there are records where his neighbors were clearly off put by his behavior. Mm -hmm. And there were family members that complained about him kind of luring uh, little girls into his house and him oh, okay. uh, painting um, their bodies and whatnot. The, I mean, he's extremely problematic. And uh, I mean, in today's age where we're canceling everything, like he's one of the main ones that we should look into. But mm -hmm. I, I, I don't even know what, what to do with this anymore. Uh, because Well, then I think the Wikipedia <clears throat> entry, because like I said, I was just quickly skimming it. It probably was sort of sanitizing some of this. Hey, yeah, Wikipedia um, does it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. but yeah, but when you go into uh, like the, the correspondence of his time, especially from his family and the people who knew him, they, they were creeped out by him and his behavior. Sure. Well, and I don't think we should cancel anybody from who's a historical figure necessarily for bad behavior that that goes against, you know, our social mores. I think we should learn from them and we should take a take a look at their work through that lens and ask what that brought to to this and therefore what is the cultural value that this now has and so when i look at this and i you know i brought up from the beginning like i like that alice has agency and i like that this is her story melissa is also 100% right that there is a lot of misogyny in this story as well right. and both things are true and a lot of those most problematic elements i think come directly from carol and i also think come from you know the late 40s early 50s disney studio uh where all of this is being written and drawn and produced by white men and so you know that's the context. Um, is it? Is there good stuff in here? Yes. Is there bad stuff in here? Yes. Um, and and that's what I think is so interesting and fascinating about it, as you know, a, a cultural artifact and a, a film that we can look at right now. It's so multifaceted in a way that um, I think a lot of the the early Disney films aren't. Uh, they're either they're they're a little more straight up one way or the other well and that's what i like when mark raised the point about the victorian piece i it's like you said that's what my question was about the subject matter because it's so nuanced and it's so specific to time points and individuals you know whether bill the lizard represents 
certain hierarchical people in Victorian era, those kinds of things, right? Um, I, I think that's so interesting to watch this and read the book and then just kind of parse through all of this. Um, you know, what, what was this person really trying to say? Um, because I mean, it's even like the, what's the riddle? What are the Raven and the writing desk have in common that kind of, and he's like nothing, but you can try to figure it out if you want. Like, I just made it up. There's so much of that in the, in the story where how much of it is just drugs and how much of it is really, a, a subtle blast at, at certain things, Mark, like you mentioned, you know. So did Lewis Carroll take drugs or, I mean, he was a mathematician, so he was all about like problems and different things. I, I'm not entirely sure. I've read up a lot about him, but I, I've never really, I mean, it gets to a point where I get kind of creeped out and I just give up on him. Um, but I, I, the, the rumor is that, yeah, he dabbled in LSD. Or, or but hallucinogenic. Uh, I, I think it was, it was opium. opium. Yeah. yeah. Was opium. Okay. So like, but I mean, like LSD. opium and heroin and cocaine were in like, I mean, Coca <laughs> yeah, Coca Cola had cocaine in it, and it was being sold as like a patent medicine before and it cough was syrup. Just, yeah. So, yeah. And cough drugs. syrup, and yeah. you know, in the late 1800s, I feel like drugs were just sort of out there as like things that people had and it wasn't like i don't know it's sort it's of, very like very today different. just not hard drugs right we've just taken the hard drug moniker and changed it to other drugs but yeah in, it, in some cases kind of true, yeah. yeah what was that serum uh laudanum was it laudanum that everybody was taking back in the day that it was basically yeah. like opium in a bottle yeah, I think Probably. so. Yeah, I, I forgot the name of it, but it's, it's something. Now, like Laudanum that, sounds yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Sure. I'll I'll believe you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it's it's it was really funny when I fired up the old Disney Plus and it said rated G contains elements of uh, tobacco use uh, or yeah. depictions of tobacco that. use, yeah. and I'm like, that's not tobacco. <laughs> Silly yeah. Disney Plus. That, well, yeah, it's a the caterpillar pipe. is not smoking tobacco in that hookah. Come yeah. on, well, like, it's like you said. That's that's the thing is we we swap one substance for another, right? When we when we talk about that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I was under the impression, like you remarked, that he dabbled in things. I don't know if it directly influenced him writing this because I thought it was mostly the the stories, like the he had children down the street from him, right, or family yeah. members or something, and. Well, Alice is modeled after one specific little girl that right. he would invite to his house all the time. Right. Yeah, which is kind of disturbing. But whatever. Right. So, anyway. That killed children to your I think everybody's opinion is going to be changed now. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> we all hate this now. May, may want to watch it in a different lens for sure. No, I mean, but there's there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I don't know any any other things that people really did like or didn't like that we that we haven't really delved into yet. Can we talk about the queen? Absolutely, yeah. great. Because uh, okay, first of all, she doesn't even look female to me. She looks like an ugly man who was tasked with doing drag for the first time with no help <laughs> or at all. Nice. I mean, 
Seriously, right? I, I, I does anybody else think it, he looks like a, a man in drag? It's yeah. just it's, it's well, drag, I do now. drag, you know? Yeah. Um and, and and I'm a big fan of RuPaul's drag race, so I, <laughs> I know what queens can do and that is just not good. Um, she's but, making it work. You know, and <laughs> I, I've heard people say like, well the queen because there's a king also, but he's obviously not in charge. She is. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is they, they want to say that that makes her powerful, but she was going to cut the head off of a seven-year-old girl. I mean, and she's just ill-tempered and violent and and terrible. She's terrible. And I it, I just feel like, like there's a lot of female characters, if you include like the flowers, especially in this movie. I'm actually kind of impressed. One of the things that it, is a plus for this movie is that there are, beyond just the main character, a lot of females because... You know, that's not always the case, right? I mean, you look at, like, Snow White. She was surrounded by seven little men all the time, you know? Um, but they're mostly awful. Like, the flowers were the mean girls, right? They wanted to kick her out because they could. she's not a flower. Uh, and, and then the queen wants to cut off her head. And it's uh, it's just frustrating. I This, ugh. Gross. I, I love how Melissa describes the queen as ill-tempered. She's, she's, she's fucking like crazy. She's like the <laughs> from Austin Powers all of a sudden. Like, is she ill-tempered? <laughs> she's, she's a fucking crazy. And you know, this, yeah. this goes to reinforce what Melissa was saying earlier. This movie is dripping in misogyny because every male character talks over Alice, makes decisions for Alice. And then when you finally get to a powerful female figure, She's fucking crazy. So that's what the story is saying. Like, uh, first of all, Alice doesn't more, know more than all these dudes telling her what to do. And when she finally comes into a, a real woman of power, she's just crazy. Like, it, it's just a weird message overall. You think the queen and is also the only woman of power? Well, in, in that particular instance, yeah, because the king is completely emasculated. But it seems to say that the only reason a woman would be in power is because she's crazy. I also want to bring up the fact that the White Rabbit calls her Marianne, and it, it's almost like she's just as, uh, whoever Marianne is, it's just as replaceable. I mean, they, all women are named Marianne or something in his eyes. Like, he he doesn't right. see her, and he doesn't see Marianne. Um, and, and she's just somebody to, to fetch his gloves. Right. Or she's a monster, or she's a serpent, or she's, right. you know... All these things, you know. So that's the thing. Whatever. Once, once Alice yeah. becomes noticeable by be, by being a giant, like she's this monstrosity. When she's small enough to be ignored, she's just a thing to be ignored. So here comes the queen, a person of power. She's only empowered because she's a crazy person. So it's just this weird message that this story has overall. I think it's uh, again a difficulty of adapting the source material because I mean, the. The Red Queen and the White Queen in in the story are not like good people necessarily, and and there's a lot more. Uh, there are a lot of other scenes that are really really disturbing that they did not include in here. Like they they had actually scripted and had started to work on the scene with the uh with the kitchen and the crying baby and, oh, then, and the duchess. Yeah. And the duchess and the, and the, and Alice runs away with the baby and then the baby turns into a pig and yeah. which is like, 
one of the more disturbing parts of it, and I'm like, I'm really glad they didn't put that. The in live there action version from CBS back in the day that that is terrifying. I mean, that was a it terrifying is. miniseries, oh, yeah. Jabberwocky, and everything was just it was scary. Yeah. Super, super scary. I do wish Jabberwocky would have been in this movie somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would have been cool. I'm and glad that the Cheshire Cat at least makes reference to the the poem. Right. Yeah. Jabberwocky. He got Snicker Snack. That was the problem, Mark. Gunga <laughs> Dead Beowulf. Too many Vorpal swords out there. That's what they always yeah. get you every time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there. I think it's just, I mean, Lewis Carroll was not a feminist in any shape or form. Uh, he wrote women characters poorly. They all had very base emotions and that got translated into this movie version and so in many senses like we're we're lucky that Alice actually like is is a somewhat redeemable character amidst all of that so or maybe she's not I don't know that's that's my take is that I think she's she's well, a good she, character I think she's very her. redeemable I mean I still think she's a, a very interesting character considering what they were writing with at the time, right? right. So right. I'm with you there. Yeah. Can I, um, can I ask Brooke something real quick? Because she seemed distressed earlier about something somebody said. And, and you, you had asked, Marco, do you think the queen is the only powerful female or something? And so I'm really interested in what you have to say because I, I feel like maybe I'm missing something here. Which is entirely possible because I semi-checked out because I don't like the movie. <laughs> like, you know, I, 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 watched, I watched the whole thing, but, but it's sort of like when you, um, I think I've mentioned this before with uh, some other movie I was bored with. Like, you read the, to the bottom of a page and then you realize you didn't retain any of that page. You have to read it again. Like, certain yeah, parts of this movie are like that for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. I've, I have such a different experience with this movie than what I'm hearing from all of you so I'm trying to to listen um, but we want to hear your I, opinion I too very yeah. much felt yeah. like the queen was not the only powerful like I felt from the very beginning um, even though they were playing within like social constructs to a certain point but like at the very beginning it's it's her and like it's it's a scene of three women if you count the cat right and the way that she interacts with Dinah, and um, <laughs> I felt like the ecosystem of the flowers was female led and female based and they all had I mean I felt like there was varying degrees of personality and temperament amongst the flowers in the way that they were portrayed and sure they were unilateral within their their own flower right but I felt that there's a lot of dynamic there um i always found it interesting the way that she was chasing after the white rabbit and his inability to acknowledge her as more of a social um statement than anything else like what is it as women that we're going to chase after are we going to chase after the rabbit that doesn't acknowledge us and can't see us as individuals and it's like completely throws out of proportion reactions and emotions and 
the ways that we come into being ourselves and then dismisses them? Or are we going to pay attention to the things that are happening, the little stories, the, the little ecosystems that are currently surrounding us and what's happening in each of those as we go along the journey? Like she kept chasing the white rabbit when there were things happening consistently and perpetually around her constantly. Um, and what was it that she was going to choose to engage in? I, I n never really gave a gender to the Cheshire cat. And so I felt like that was, but I just, I don't know. I saw that there were, it obviously isn't all female characters, but I didn't see the queen as the only powerful character the only powerful female character and I relate the queen to the other villains like Snow White's stepmom trying to poison her and take her out and the evil stepmother that wasn't going to cut off Cinderella's head but she surely would have cut off her foot to keep her daughters in their own space um, so I don't know I it's And I've never, as I've grown older, I've never seen Alice as younger than me as I've continued to watch it. So I've related to it from an adult space um, and her interactions of the world as an adult, as I've grown as well. And so maybe that's part of why I see it differently. So you don't think of her as seven then? Is that... No, as I've as I've grown, I've always seen her as the same age as me. Oh, I, I have she to was agree with that. Young, I, I've you never seen young. her as a little girl. Oh, really? When well, I, I was always... little, yeah, I, did. I, I always did. When yeah, I was I little, I very much saw her as little, but I saw myself as little and fighting against all these other things in the world around me. And what was I going to do about it? And how was I going to find my voice? And and what was I going to create around me? And what was I going to accept or not accept? And now, as an adult, like being weird and awkward and unable to process like social cues sometimes and not able to interpret people's expressions like depending on what state if, I, if i'm being pushed into a space of overwhelm and going into like not being able to process like i don't know i've i've related to alice differently as i've grown that's fascinating see now i understand why you love this movie so much it makes sense to me now. Like, it totally does. And now I almost don't want to say anything else mean about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and see, and that's, that's where I came from. Is I, as I watch this movie, I'm like, as, a, as an adolescent, I'm like, Alice seems like a person I would want to hang out with. Like, Alice seems like a friend who, like, I appreciate her point of view on stuff. And, and that's why I like her. I'm like, she, you know, she, I, I just, you know, she's, she's kind of bored by what she's being told she has to do and has to be and has to learn and says, let's turn it all on its head. I want books to have pictures and I want my world to be full of nonsense. And I'm like, that's. That's cool. Like, let's hang. Yeah, and I think, Andy, I saw it more as, and as you know, my half-sisters are significantly younger than I am. And I think when I watch Alice, I see it more as, uh, you know, if, if, if they were in Alice's shoes, 
what what am I okay or not okay with this movie is making this, you know, this person that's that referent do, right? So I think we all come from that, those different spaces, right? So I I always liked Alice because I was an imaginative kid who didn't see the world the way everybody else did, and I had that connection with her. And like this whole thing, this whole trip was because she sees the world so different she experiences it so different from everybody else and ever since yeah. i can remember i've just i've always been so different from everybody so I, I connected with her as a character um and that's why i've always loved this movie and i i always will for that reason um what you just said that's why i've always loved labyrinth which obviously oh, nice. takes a lot of inspiration right. from Alice. And I, I grew up watching Labyrinth uh, way before I ever saw um, the Disney version of, of Alice in Wonderland. And, and it probably wasn't even until I was older that I realized, oh, okay, yeah, I see where they, they pulled a lot of that. But I, I identified a lot more with um, Sarah in, in Labyrinth That's because she, yeah. she loved nice. her books and, you know, she wanted to be lost in this fantasy world with her stuffed animals and everything. And I had stuffed, I still have stuffed animals, you know, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, she had a dog and I have a dog, you know, and, and I've always had a dog and, and all this stuff. So, um, but I'm, I've also always been real different and peculiar and, and I am probably very alone in my obsession. And when I say obsession, I mean, obsession with the mad tea party, ride because I love the theming, I love the ride, I love to spin, and I have a, a whole shelf full of merchandise from the Disney store with Mad Tea Party stuff. Not Alice, but the cups. It's just weird. I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's really That's interesting awesome. because the labyrinth scares the shit out of me. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I, I it need to revisit though. it as a grown-up. But I haven't been able to watch it since I was a kid because dreams were so vibrant and vivid mm -hmm. and lucid and terrifying to me. They actually haven't been able to go back to that movie and rewatch it. Oh, that's what makes that movie so good. Like I, there's something definitely wrong with me for a million reasons, but one of them is that I I like that that aspect of dark fear within children's movies. You know, when I was a kid, I remember Lambert scared the shit out of me, but I couldn't stop watching. There were also probably drugs involved in that movie, too. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fair, that's a fair <laughs> guess. Oh, yeah, that, that's yeah. for damn sure. But, like, okay. everything is just so damn scary and brilliant. And, like, I, I, I've seen this movie a gazillion times, and I'll always watch it. Uh, but there is that aspect of it that just keeps me going, and I absolutely love that. Okay, so now I got to know. So yours is Tea Party Ride. Mine is Haunted Mansion. That's my jam. I will ride Haunted Mansion yes, four thousand times. That is my favorite. What is yes. so okay? So Melissa, you've got Haunted Mansion. What's everybody else's? Because I've got to now know our infatuation Disney ride. Um, Mark, you can't do Splash Mountain because you like wet T-shirts. That's not fair. <laughs> I like wearing the wet t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> uh, I'm an exhibitionist. We uh, like all the pictures you bring us. <laughs> <laughs> I like oh all God. the things I get by showing my wet t-shirt. Anyway, uh, I said it last week. My favorite ride is the Peter Pan ride. It's just I just love nice. soaring oh, over yeah. everything. It's just so fucking awesome. Nice choice. Okay. Brooke, what do you think? Um... I mean, if I have to go with what was my favorite as a kid, it would be It's a Small World. 
There's just something about everyone coming together that's always called yeah. to me. But nice. Peter Pan and the teacups are my 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 followers. <laughs> that's awesome. I always end a Disney trip at the very last thing I get on it is it's a small world. And it's always in the evening and it makes yeah. it that much better. Nice. I that love movie, that. That, that, yeah. that ride just makes me cry. Like I can cry now just talking yeah. about it. I yeah. just think it's, it's so beautiful. It's just it's absolute sweet. happiness from the minute yep. you get on the boat yeah. to when you get out. It's just It just fills you with so much joy. Yeah, and for those, what we really want for the world. Yeah. We, I the, used to have those, that album on vinyl, y'all. That, yeah. That, that album, it was <laughs> nice. in like 20 different languages. Yeah, it was, it was no, pretty awesome. That's great. It's so weird that for those five minutes that you're on in that ride, like everything is okay. Everything is just, the world is yeah. just right. Yeah. It would have been nicer that. if it didn't smell like urine half the time. Yeah, you know. there is that. <laughs> oh, sorry, Disneyland. Yeah. I've never experienced that, so. Really? <laughs> That's really weird. And then Andy's is Jungle Cruise. Uh, I mean, Jungle Cruise minus the racism. Right. But I mean, I, I think really... It's really hard. I'm I'm sort of a three-way tie between Jungle Cruise, uh, Pirates, and Pirates pre-Johnny Depp, yeah. post-taking out rapey Pirates. And <laughs> so just like that, there was like a three-year period between it was like... really nice. 2001 yeah, it was to 2005, <laughs> where it was like, okay. Wait, uh, and, and Haunted Mansion. Like, I yes, could go on I that trifecta in Adventureland over and over again. I will say I love the Indiana Jones ride, although uh, I don't yeah. know. If no, y'all, Star Tours yep. is a very close Star Tours is Star great. Tours is also good. I also I love that. I, I think I rode that like seven me times too. in a row. Yeah. Me, me too, Kelly. I, I got on Star Tours. Like, I was, yeah, I think the one day we were there in, in California, I got on it like about eight times. I will yeah, say that. the guy I was dating at the time, he had to sit out. Like, he couldn't make it seven times in a row. I'm like, well, I don't know if this relationship's going to work. And it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that, um, what, Space Space Mountain. Space Mountain's fun. I love Space oh, Mountain. Yeah. I love Space Mountain. It. I don't like it as much now. I miss I miss the uh, Dick Dale theme song with the, the surf rock. That was my favorite part of of Space Mountain, um, the the soundtrack that would play. In oh, and the game. Dumbo ride for some reason—it's the most simplest the ride, ride ever. But so I just—I love it so much. It makes me feel like a freaking kid every time I'm on it. Do y'all like the Tiki Room? Love the Tiki yeah, Room. Yeah, I love the Tiki yeah. Room. Oh, I just—I mean, bad puns. It's, <laughs> And and good music, mm -hmm. I just yeah, I mean I think that's the 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 through line uh, between Tiki Room, Jungle Cruise, Pirates, and and Haunted Mansion for me. Bad puns, good songs, so yeah, love. Oh my gosh, it's just it's just the best. But but the Mad Tea Party, the Mad Tea Party, like we we've talked about how the aesthetics of this movie are sort of its best thing is is that where we all sort of come to agreement um that that this is, that's the lasting impact of this movie regardless or i think so no. i mean the colors yeah no brick said no 
what's where are you coming at from Brooke? Let me let me make sure I understood Andy's question correctly. You're you're saying that the tea party is like the pinnacle and highest point of Home No, I'm saying that the 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 aesthetic of Alice in general that you know the the brightness of the colors and the way oh, okay. things are drawn and and so on and and yes the tea party is like a prime exemplar of that um but that i think that that is what what the lasting impact of this movie is regardless is that people feel that like when they think of alice in wonderland they don't think of the cbs miniseries they think of they think of Disney. I think that's fair so, to say that. I think, yeah. I mean, I, I like the film for the side characters. I, but you know, I'm always a sucker for how good side characters are. I think side characters always make the movie, which is why I don't like Snow White and I do like Cinderella because I think Cinderella side characters, regardless of how much you like them singing, to be fair. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I really like the side characters in Alice in Wonderland. I know whatever the socio-political context of the side characters you know as like you mentioned mark calls some of them into question but um I, I think they bring kind of that really cool um crispness to the film and um there's some i mean the cheshire cat alone is the price of admission um i i really like that character um some of those the tea party again like you said the aesthetics but i think they I think some of these side characters are really good. I think my takeaway was it's a lot harder to make a book into a screenplay than people give it credit for. Agreed. Um, so that's always my takeaway. Um, and I will go to the grave that Jurassic Park and Hunt for Red October are so far the only two to have done it really, really well. Um, <laughs> Jurassic Park is, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's it's it, that one did a great job. But um, like, in terms of like action films, of course. But uh, yeah, that, that was the thing I... I do like side characters, and I think this movie does a decent job um, bringing some of them onto screen. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's. I know some of us have to have to zoom out of here pretty quick, so let's um, let's let's get going. I mentioned talking about the box office. This movie did very poorly in its initial release. That's crazy to me. Only yeah. made two point four million dollars. Wow. Uh, which How much is that now? Inflation adjusted only twenty four point two million. Whoa. That's crazy for a Disney film. Yeah, like imagine that. Um, the film got really, really popular on TV, um, huh. and that was how most people saw it. It was not a popular film at all, which is crazy. Do you yeah, know what really film is. was popular when it came, when this one came out? Like what its competition was? Oh, that's like. That's Dr. a good. Let me, look, let me look that up. It came out July twenty eighth of nineteen fifty one. I'll look up. I'll look up what the box office was for that week while we go into our our studio notes. What studio notes do people have here? It needs better music for better. <laughs> They're yeah. so boring and unmemorable. And I know it's not fair to compare them to movies, especially ones that came out after. Like I had mentioned earlier, like. Uh, be our guest or like I uh, you know anything from Beauty and the Beast or The Little Mermaid there's such great songs that Disney knows how to write songs you know 
Hakuna Matata. I mean, who hasn't sung along to that at once, once or twice? But uh, there's nothing memorable about these songs. They're just bleh. Well, it's source material, right, Andy? I mean, people had the same problem when they did the Hobbit songs. They're like, mm-hmm. what? There's music in the Hobbit? <laughs> and just because this, like, the source material is just, like you said, Melissa, really hard to pull a good song from. I think so. I just watched this movie too much. Like, I think that's what I'm coming away with this from is that I just watched it too much growing up. Like, I <laughs> sang the songs all the time. I really liked them. I think I just, like, like Andy says, I bought the bit. And I, yep. I went with it, and I just have always. I don't. I like it. I feel like I have a much less qualified opinion now after hearing everyone else no. it. Yeah, I remember singing all the songs growing up, especially like the ones from the flowers, and um, I don't know. I don't think I have. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna think further on my studio notes. I don't think I have any studio notes at all in this one. Uh, maybe let the carpenter have one oyster. Yeah, is it weird that when I was a kid that story terrified me, but I also felt bad for the carpenter because I was like. That son of a bitch was really hungry. Yeah, he needed that. But he built the freaking restaurant. Like, he, he had nothing to show for it. Like, give him one baby oyster. Like, as terrifying as that oh, is. Like, poor, poor guy. Anyway, so wow. I have no I have no real studio notes. I thought, I really love this movie. And I think I always will. Yeah, I think, Andy, my, my as I mentioned, my biggest problem is there was a lot of context in the book that I think would have made the movie more palatable or at least I, I don't want to say made more sense because the book doesn't always make sense no it doesn't but I think it would have brought more context and fun characters and um, and I think it would have given Alice more life too um, again she's she's a, a good character and fun to watch and um, discuss but I think there's some stuff in the book that really would have expanded um her role and and what she does so that might have been mine yeah i think i would say that if you're gonna show this movie to kids that you should also have them watch train spotting as well nice (laughs) my whole life i have wanted to do opium and i didn't understand that it was the same thing as heroin and had i known that i might have felt a little differently about this desire to do opium which i've never done by the way thought I'd put that up. Show or kid, never uh, not done. Show kids, uh, show kids the bathroom scene in Train Spot. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> he doesn't All go right. through the looking glass. He goes through the toilet bowl. Yeah. Your definition of looking glass is very flexible. <laughs> Mirror in the bathroom. That's oh, wait, right. that's cocaine. Daddy, why are you making me see that? I told, you I, had the, I told you I had the high ground. <laughs> oh, my All God. All right. You're um, welcome. Terrible. <laughs> I I don't I don't have any studio notes for this movie. I I wouldn't change really that much just because I I don't I don't know how to fix this. I do have an answer about I do have an answer about this the movie broke Andy. Yeah, that was a glowing recommendation. Thanks, Andy. No, I I mean I mean it's I, hopeless. Just uh... oh wow. No no no. I think it is what it is, yeah. and it's it. This is probably. I mean, yes, you could have better songs. And if we could have had 
the Sherman brothers writing some of these songs instead of the folks who did, we probably would have gotten some better tunes in here. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that you can like fix this narrative really, um, yeah. or fix some of the problematic elements in it because they're just baked in. So, um, the question about the box office though. So, uh, of the top films released in 1951, um, the number six film strangers on a train was released, uh, a few weeks earlier on July 3rd. Uh, the number three film showboat was released the prior week. And then, and then two weeks after on August 10th, the number two film David and Bathsheba was released. So deep cut. These are, these are all, it was competing against essentially three of the, the top grossing films of the year. Um, and just sort of got buried in amongst that, even though, I mean, it's not like people are like, well, what's playing Alice in Wonderland or strangers on a train. Yeah. Like, seriously. Like Hitchcock or Disney. Let's like, go. Let's hang out afterwards. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not quite the same thing. So, um, but that, that is the context. Okay. Um, any, any other studio notes? Well, that David and Bathsheba ride sucks compared to Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll show them in the long run. Do we have any uh, any best one-liners or quotes? I, I think I like anything it. Melissa I... said about this movie is a great one-liner. <laughs> the entire movie. Yeah. What do you got, Kelly? What's your favorite? Oh, um... The uh, when the Cheshire Cat basically says we're all mad here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite and a thing that I often find myself saying is uh, mustard, mustard. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> now lemon, I, that's important. Why am that's, I not? That's the least surprising part of, <laughs> of Andy liking. I love it. <laughs> that's my favorite. The the like mustard. Don't be ridiculous. Now lemon. That's that's important. Yeah, that makes sense. That's my that's my favorite. That's a good one. Any other? Mark, uh, Mark, you've got to have one. I don't. Uh, as a matter of fact, the entire unbirthday thing has always been my favorite. So any line from there that the Mad Hatter or that the March Hare says is great. Like that just entire thing. I just love it so much. Yeah. It's too yeah. slow. That's what it is. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I love way, that entire watch scene. Yep. That's yeah. my favorite. By the way, today is my unbirthday. It's my unbirthday too. Well, happy unbirthday to you, Andy. Wow. Happy unbirthday to all of us. Bro, um, that, that cat is just so gorgeous. I can't stop. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I really wish it would just disappear into a smile, though. That would Aww. just be, that would freak <laughs> and, then, and then come back. You're like, oh. <laughs> Best side characters and not Brooks Kitty. Um, you know what? You know what? Uh, one of the characters I really love is the drunk mouse. I oh yeah, mm -hmm. the dormouse. Yeah. The Dormouse, like, hardly says anything, but I just fucking love it. He's such a scene stealer, so I'm going to have to mm -hmm. go with the Dormouse. That's a great pick. Yeah. I like the Dodo. I think that's, I think he's terrible and hilarious. 
Um, I like the Cheshire Cat. I mean, we've yeah. already established that. The Dormouse is a nice choice, though. I like Dormouse that. is great. Like I said, there's some really fun characters in this on the side. Mm-hmm. And yeah. They don't all get tons of screen time, or we don't know what the hell they're doing in the movie, but <laughs> some of them are a lot of fun. Yep. Best song? The end credits for Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The best song is Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit. Uh, Just kidding, guys. No, it's Tom Petty's Don't Come Around Here No More. more. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, speaking of that song, um, there's these YouTubers that they're two twins. They're called Twins the New Trend, and they, they kind of went viral last year because they 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 grew up in a very religious household, so I know a lot of people here can, uh, you know, yeah. kind of re- relate to that. Um, but they, so they never heard, like, a lot of music. They only did, like, church music. And so they, they react to music songs that they've never heard before. And they went viral last year because they reacted to a Phil Collins song. And uh, anyway, so... They reacted to that Jefferson uh, airplane song, and they they turned it off. They didn't even finish it. They're like, "What is this about?" <laughs> like, wow. And they they were actually kind of mad about. It. They're like, "Nah, this isn't for us," you know. And, and that's the first time I've ever seen a video with them where they just turned it off. They didn't even finish the song. Wow. Uh, and, and so people in the comments were trying to tell them it's based on Alice in Wonderland. So clearly they've led a very sheltered life that they didn't know even heard of Alice in Wonderland to understand the song. Um, so I'm guessing they, they saw the Clean Flicks version of Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> uh, which is maybe five minutes long or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought that was funny. Y'all can, it, it, it's on their YouTube page. You can go look for it. It's, it's pretty funny because they look confused. They did not understand <laughs> the song at all. What is going on? That. That's great. Um, no, but seriously, does any, I mean, Kelly, you've said on birthday. Yes. A very Mayan birthday. It's a great one. I yeah. I will throw out there that I actually like in a world of my own. That's what I was gonna say. Nice. A world of yeah. my own and Golden Afternoon. I really love those two. Good choice. Those are, those are great. I think every character needs an I want song. And I, I like Alice's I want song. Uh it sets up the entire movie and that's that's good. Um is this a good movie? Yes. 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 It is. For all yes. its flaws, it's a good movie. Most definitely. I say it apologetically to Melissa, but yes. <laughs> no, it's I say it apologetically to you. No. <laughs> so <Melissa laughs> no, good. But it's a great movie because it allows kids to be imaginative and tap into that part of their minds. Mm-hmm. I know it did for me. I just, I really love that it allows kids and adults and everyone to explore these really dark things in a really beautiful way mm-hmm. like you really get to explore not being accepted and not knowing where you're at and not knowing where you're going and not being a part of the standard and the norm and what it feels like it means to you individually by watching her experiences and these very like cheery dispositioned sort of ways and trying to figure out what that means to you and I really like it for that cool Kelly I love that. I love that. is Kelly is Alice a good person yes I would think so yeah yeah 
Yeah. She's she's got a little bit of a temper, a little feisty, but but that's okay. <laughs> I love she's how she's suicidal. I don't think I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, my God. So no. <laughs> she's a kid. What seven year old do you know? Yeah. That isn't yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you know, I was I was a bossy kid. I actually got mad at her the first time I saw this. I was like, she ate candy from or ate food from a stranger. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I was like, she's not supposed to do that. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. Melissa, to that point, do you think it is responsible to show this movie to children? I mean, look, I, I think it could be harmless as long as you're there to explain things. I wouldn't put a kid in front of the TV and let him watch it alone, you know, because they're going to have questions. Like my question was what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I didn't understand uh, because there's no real plot, right? I mean, it's not, you know, there's no third act here. It's just, she just wakes up, you know? Um, so I, I don't think it's something you can't show to a kid, but you need to be able to explain to them, Hey, you shouldn't take food. This just, sitting around that a doorknob told you to eat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think kids are smart enough to know better, you know? So, but, but some of them might get scared a little, you know, cause when she starts crying and she's, you know, cause she feels alone by herself that like a sensitive kid might find that really hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this was the first movie I consciously chose to show my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> And I think she was a year and a half. So that might say Good more answer. about me as a parent than anything else, but um Don't. Oh my kids saw this my kids saw this nonstop, so I'm a horrible parent. Yeah, I love that. I, I don't have kids, but like my, my cousin remembers how my brother and I made her uh watch Never Ending Story. So that was what we yes. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh I talk love about trauma so inducing. Much. I love that movie, and I mean, I still love it. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. It's one of my all-time favorite films. But, but yeah, talk about dark and depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but I like uh, that kind art. of stuff. I mean, I, I, as a kid, my favorite Indiana Jones was Temple of Doom because the guy gets his heart ripped out. So I'm, I have my own issues. Uh, mine was Raiders of the Lost Ark because everybody's faces melts at the end. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's you. Yeah, my mom's well, like. That was a real Christ, issue, Kelly. <laughs> All of us Xennials who grew up with this like dark fantasy stuff, it, it kind of rules. I love it. Yeah, I, I love too. it too. Yeah. The Dark Crystal uh, is like a bedtime story. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, I adore The Dark Crystal. Oh, yeah. man. And the Netflix follow up. And, yeah, that was good too. and speaking of going a little dark, next week we get to talk about Sleeping Beauty. Mm. So uh, that's exciting. Maleficent and all of all of that awesomeness. Um, it's not dark to those Stockholm syndrome involved. Yeah, I was gonna say this is a this is a bright sunshiny movie uh, until Andy I'm, takes over. I'm gonna fight some <laughs> of y'all Oh no! Uh, oh yeah! No, yeah, you'll you'll you, you got to come back on for that because you got really, so you know, you're gonna really, have to I love Beauty and the Beast. Like I like me a little Stockholm syndrome. I'm all on board. So yeah, I got you. We, yeah, we Andy's just already, have to, we have Andy's to, already told me I can come back for Beauty and the Beast. Perfect. Good. Yep. Because I mean, that's Andy's only flaw is his love for <laughs> Stockholm and weird leather and all kinds of stuff. So it's well. not like, that. It's wow. It's let's talk, let's talk about the leather. You, no. <laughs> you guys, do you like wearing it? Do you like getting spanked? Actually, Marco, I, I was going to ask Master you. Master and servant. Uh, 
Marco, is there a, a 70s porn version of Alice in Wonderland? Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I was going to start off with that, but I wanted to be my best behavior because we have Kelly here. And Mark, don't ever make us watch. I think you. I think Andy's forgiven for Power of One after Mark's recommendation. Oh that, God, it was that awful. That was a turd sandwich. It was fucking terrible. Oh my God, Mark, Andy, did you do a D and D card for Alice? I haven't. I I I need to f- figure out what class she should be. Clerical. I don't know other D. What do you think? Cleric. She should be a cleric. Yeah. Cleric and yeah, and she should have. Like the grow and the shrink spell, and she should be Ant Man. Yeah. Is there anything Ant-Man. having to do with floods? But cleric. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Good. Go. Create <laughs> water. water. Manipulate yeah. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are plus, okay. Plus five to bond. <laughs> okay. Great. That I will make. I will make her D and D character, and and post that in the show notes. Um. Sweet. Good. Because I was, I'm like, I don't know. Is she a monk? Is she a sorcerer? Is she a. I think, I think a cleric. Cleric. Right? Yeah, no, she's yes, a Cleric's a good, yeah, cleric's a good choice for her. I agree. I'm really excited to help you with the Beauty and the Beast character sheet. Oh, boy. <laughs> Brooke and I have some ideas. <laughs> well, Belle's very obviously a wizard because she loves books. Yeah, plus so, five to bondage. And right? no, and <laughs> like a 20. <laughs> more and more. Like a twenty intellect, and you know she's like yeah. her wisdom yeah. is off the charts, and her yeah her wisdom and intelligence her are like super high. Intelligence, oh, insight. Sexy. Yeah, and and her charisma. So I don't know, maybe she's a warlock then. If her if she's all, charisma. I think the difficult one's gonna be next. She's thing, awesome. Beauty. Yeah, Belle's awesome. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know, like uh, Aurora. We have to figure out. Is who, there an invisibility which... feature somewhere? Just Which class likes to present. sleep a lot? Oh, man, you know, be a difficult one. Yeah, probably a bard. Unfortunately, they're mm-hmm. usually the no, but bards. Uh, not I mean, I mean, she, she grows up with fairies. Yeah, she has to be fae, right? Yeah, it's it's got to be one of the more fae aligned classes. So yeah, I'm thinking Aurora is probably a warlock. You know what? We I need to take this to to Sarah, who couldn't be here this week, but promises she's going to be here next week and sarah loves maleficent and and so and she's a huge DD nerd so i'm going to consult her as well but we will do all of that and we will do uh we will talk about sleeping beauty next week thank you kelly for being here tell us us again where can everyone find the the animana cast what's Um, the best way to subscribe to that well, it's it's on all podcast players, so um, what Apple, iTunes, um, but you can go to the Twitter at Animaniacast. Um, we also have a, a Facebook page and um, and I think an Instagram, although I'm not all that active on Instagram. But uh, we are on all the socials. But you can just Google Animaniacast and, and pick out whatever podcast player you want to use. Awesome, do it. It's great because Kelly's awesome. <laughs> and uh, we'll have you back in a couple months when we talk Beauty and the Beast. I look forward to it. Yay. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Love yes, y'all. Have a, have a wonderful Bye-bye. week. Get your vaccines. Go out. Enjoy life. Good luck tomorrow. Eat some shrooms. Eat some LSD. <laughs> yeah. If you do, call me. <laughs> Drink me. <laughs> Draw some yeah. acid, yo. 
<laughs> if right. someone throws cards at you, don't they're not yours. Big kiss, everybody. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.